Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, I better hear this song tonight. Oh, hello. It is uh, Bowerly Loves at News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome to the program. Uh, Good to be with you. Um, And thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, Thank you for the show yesterday on uh, Mysteries. On Mysteries You Want Solved, the show that was basically brought up because of the possible discovery of Amelia Earhart's plane. And I was, you know what? I was so. I was awesomized <laughs> by that's neology. I think I just invented a word. Um, I yeah, I was uh, by the number of people who expressed an interest after all of these years in the Jack the Ripper serial killings. It was really um, it, it was incredible. And the and the people who have interest in mysteries of Great Lakes shipwrecks. And I brought up yesterday that the uh, holy grail of Great Lakes shipwrecks is. You can look this up online, Marquette and Bessemer number two. And everybody wants to find it, but nobody has. And with all of the technology today, I would think it would be a relatively easy find. I really do. Um, they found the Fitzgerald, but like I said yesterday during the show, um, even though they found the Edmund Fitzgerald, there is still doubt as to exactly what happened to send that ship to the bottom. Was it hatch covers and then big waves washing over the deck and the water getting into the cargo holds? Or did the ship strike bottom and break out some plates and some metal and then the water came in from the bottom and made it go lower and lower in the water until finally it uh, took a nosedive into Lake Superior? Nobody knows and nobody ever will know. Of course, ever is a long time. In our lifetime, probably not. The the one thing that, uh, actually, two, two things that surprised me. Nobody called in about D.B. Cooper, the skyjacker. Nobody called in about him. I brought him up, and still nobody called in about D.B. Cooper. Felt kind of let down. And the other thing, I got an email on it, but I didn't get any phone calls on it, was on the uh, Zodiac killings in the San Francisco Bay Area back in the late 1960s. And the movie, um, 
called, oddly enough, Zodiac with Robert Downey Jr. is a really good movie. And if, you know, that movie sets the stage and is a great backdrop for life in America in the late 1960s. The soundtrack is phenomenal, okay? I mean, you get Hurdy Gurdy Man, you get something from Vanilla Fudge, Bang Bang. It's like, whoa, what a great soundtrack. And Robert Downey Jr. is one of my favorite actors. But the problem I have with the Zodiac movie uh, and Graysmith's work is I do not believe that there is evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that suggests that uh, Lee Allen was, in fact, the Zodiac killer. I have serious doubts that Graysmith's conclusion, uh, based on his investigation, arrived at the correct subject. I really, yeah, I, I think that that is still a mystery. And unfortunately, remember, back then, they didn't know that DNA technology was coming as a crime-fighting tool. So a lot of the evidence degraded. A lot of the evidence went missing over time. You know, detectives who worked the case would take it home, and it'd end up in their attics, and their kids would see it, and, oh, what's this? Oh, it looks like garbage. Throw it out. Uh, it wasn't stored properly. And look, if, if you want to talk about improperly handled evidence, uh, you can look at the uh, Lynn Dijak and Anthony Capozzi cases here in Buffalo. If it wasn't for uh, Dennis D- Delano, everybody says Delano, but it's actually Delano. If it wasn't for Dennis Delano, the Buffalo Police Department, going against the grain and bucking the system, two innocent people would have died uh, in, in prison. But he had the stones of his convictions and uh, my eternal respect for what he did to spring two people who had no business being incarcerated. And it all revolved around a couple of slides, samples that were somehow mislaid at ECMC. Can you imagine doing a decade or two in a state prison, knowing that you were absolutely innocent of the charges for which you had been incarcerated? knowing that you didn't do it, and then finally being exculpated and released. I mean, that's just amazing. But anyway, um, and yeah, there, there are certainly a lot of local missing person cases, but I feel a little bit queasy talking about local missing person cases. Uh, I can think of like two, three, four, four cases that are very much uh, on my mind at any given moment, but uh, I don't like to bring them up unless I've done adequate research, and I also don't like to bring them up um, because I always worry that I'm going to pick a scab that a family does not need picked locally. I don't really worry too much about people in the San Francisco Bay Area or people in the East End of London in the 1880s because they're all dead. Um, And, of course, the Marquette and Bessemer Number 2 was an early... um, 20th century shipwreck, so I don't worry about that. But uh, anyway, just uh, thank you for that show yesterday. I really appreciated it. Um, We have a couple of things that I want to get into today, and uh, you might say that uh, one of them is grim, and I don't want you to read anything into it, and the other is, do you know what today is? I mean, the the groundhog is getting all the attention, but today is uh, National Wear Red Day. 
I happen to be wearing all black now, like Johnny Cash. I guess I'm not living. I don't have a red shirt that I can put on that I look good in. But uh, I don't know. Maybe Tommy Bahama will make a delivery today. You never know. But anyway, uh, every first Friday of February, it's National Wear Red Day to raise awareness about heart disease in women. And I'm going to generalize that because I think heart disease and the awareness of it needs to be raised among women and men. So we're going to talk to you about your experiences uh, with it coming up later on in the show. And also during the show, everything I've just said is likely to change if we get a news conference from Hamburg regarding the officer-involved shooting that took place. The officer, uh, well, the suspect dead, that much we know. And hopefully we'll have an update. We'll carry it live on News Radio 930, WBEN. And, uh, you know, it's uh, one of those breaking news things where I don't know when the news is going to break, but when it does, we'll have it for you on News Radio 930, WBEN. Now, uh, the topic that I brought up the other day, and I forget exactly how this came up. I, I just. I don't know. I don't. I I don't remember. I can remember things from the seventies and eighties and the nineties and the and the teens, but I don't remember yesterday very well at all uh, because my life is a blur. It is a blur filled with running rivulets of thought. Uh, but anyway, um, Blazing Saddles reference. I'm sorry. That's Headley. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> have you guys seen Blazing Saddles on Netflix? It is my Talking about the movie prompted you to watch it for the first time or re-watch it after all these years. Like, yeah, it's an old movie, but oh my goodness, it cracks me up every time. But um, I want to have a discussion here, if that's okay with you. And I think it is because it is kind of a radio call-in show and stuff. Um, when it comes to your demise, look, there are two things certain in life. Death. And taxes. Ben Franklin made that very popular. Don't know if he invented it, but he certainly made it popular. And we all, every one of us at some point, um, must face our own mortality. And lest you think I am being insensitive, um, I know people right now who are dealing with their own um, mortal issues. And frankly, they're handling it very, very well. And frankly... um, I don't feel bad about doing the show and hurting their feelings because uh, these are people of uh, strong conviction and these are people who are not afraid of the Grim Reaper. Um, And somewhere there's a song to be written about not fearing the Reaper, but I think somebody already did that. It's only like three chords. But anyway, um, maybe four, I forget. But anyway, um, I listen to those ads from Forest Lawn. Now, Forest Lawn, certainly if you're a Buffalonian, a Western New Yorker, you have been to Forest Lawn at some point in your life, right? My family's got more plots in Section 26 of Forest Lawn than I can count. But when you die, what instructions have you given to your family about what is to be done with you? And kind of an interesting dichotomy in the Bowerly family For reasons I don't know, my father chose to have a casketed burial. Uh, He was embalmed very badly, I might add, by a local funeral home. Uh, No, not the big one. 
uh, and not the low-budget one, but one in in the Kenton area. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's bad, very badly involved. But, uh, anyway, didn't matter to him. <laughs> just I'm just saying. But uh, he had a fully casketed burial, okay? Uh, it wasn't an expensive casket because when Bowerly's die, we do it as cheaply as possible, okay? We don't do the three-day wake. We don't do anything like that. We we die. It's basically among family. And then after everything is all done, then we say, hey, so-and-so died. Typically, that's the way it works with us. And uh, he was fully casketed. Now, my mom, ever since I was a little boy, my mom has said, I want to be cremated. Like, okay. And when you're a little boy, remember, cremation was not a real popular thing, uh, at least among the United States people. Was it a real popular thing until recently? And now cremation is the number one final destination for Americans. Just saying, the number one final destination. Now, some people object to cremation on religious grounds, like, my goodness, if I'm cremated, I'm not going to be resurrected. Well, I look at it this way. If there is a God and he had the power to make you out of nothing, he certainly has the power to make your soul out of ashes rise to heaven. I, that, an, um, uh, an, uh, an omnipotent God could absolutely do that. My opinion, I have no proof because it doesn't happen to me. So anyway, um, my mom is going to be cremated and uh, she's going to spend eternity on top of my father. There's a joke there. And believe me, I've made it with my mother because my mother at 90 years old, she's, Granny's very spry, you know, <laughs> she's spry. Uh, going to my Billy Bob Thornton here. Is Granny spry? Anyway, um, so she is going to be cremated. And my own wishes, my own wishes, and I want to know what your wishes are for when you check out. And I think, look, it's one of the most important conversations you can have. It came up earlier this week. First of all, you need, and I'm not a lawyer, I think we've established that, but that could change in a few years, all right? I'm just, I'm seriously thinking about it again, but it might, it might change in a few years, okay? But I'm not a lawyer, but I will tell you that it is very important. Several things are very important, and you should talk with an attorney about your health care proxy, your living will, your power of attorney, and your last will and testament. You should also discuss certain other aspects which actually trump the last will and testament. Now, you should also be very clear as part of this process, you should get a MOLST form, which is basically a more detailed um, revelation to your loved ones about what you want done upon your being incapacitated. That way, there's no question, there's no debate. Okay, no, okay, there's a DNR, there's no artificial feeding, no artificial hydration, uh, that drugs be mercifully administered until I check out, all right? You need to put all of this stuff in writing. And you can be in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and let's face it, people die all the time, tragically. I mean... When you get to be a certain age, all right, you understand that you, you've seen enough of life to know that some people die way too young, 
and way too tragically. And some people die when they least expect it in middle age, like I almost did at 54. Um, and, you know, I had everything in place uh, because I recognize that there's no telling when you are going to check out. But have you talked with your family seriously about what you want at the end of your life when you are no longer capable of making health care decisions for yourself? It's one of the most important conversations you can have. It's one of the most important legal meetings that you can possibly have. And what do you want done with your remains? And I want to be cremated, okay? And I'm joking about this with my 90-year-old mother. Mom, I want a pyramid. I want a pyramid. <laughs> I, I've, always, I've never wanted to be underground for eternity. I don't know why. I'm not going to know the difference. It's just one of those stupid things. I'll be dead. I won't have a consciousness. I just don't want to be underground. I don't know. Being underground in the real world doesn't bother me at all. I've been to the Howe Caverns. I've been to that copper mine in Bisbee. Doesn't bother me in the least. But the idea of eternity with no elevator taking me above ground, that is somewhat disconcerting. Um, what, what are your wishes? Are you going to do a full casketed burial? Or are you going to do cremation? Have you thought about your epitaph? And this came up again the other day organically on this show. And this show need not be morbid. I hope it isn't morbid because it's Friday, but it should be funny. I mean, and quite frankly, also in keeping with the program we did uh, the other day, I'm hoping that I can find a cemetery that will put an F-bomb on my headstone. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Anyway, uh, 227 at News Radio 930, but I wish it could. I wish it. Maybe they could put like little asterisks. <laughs> All right, 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. It's a great time to call because I can talk to you uninterrupted by traffic or anything else for about a half hour, and that's a rare treat. 803, no disrespect to Alan, I'm just saying. 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. Cremation, full body burial, have you full casketed burial, have you had these discussions with your family, which I think are of absolutely critical importance, even if you're in your 30s or your 20s, because you never, ever know. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Can we just play this all day? We took on diesel back in Montauk yesterday. Left this morning from the Bell and Gardner's Bay. Like all the locals here, I've had to sell my home. All right, Billy Joel. I thought, see, Tanner just threw me a curveball because that song came up on our earworm show that we did earlier this week. Along with uh, the infamous Bedger, 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 Mushroom, Mushroom, Total Earworm. And, of course, my personal favorite, <clears throat> um, Torn Between Two Lovers, which I'm pretty sure is what ended Jenna Jameson's career. Anyway, um, anyway, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Uh, in the United States, the cremation rate is 59%. So cremation is the most popular disposal method for human bodies in the United States. And it is the one that I have chosen for myself. Um, and I definitely want to be above ground. But some of you have these really grandiose plans like, okay, I want some of my ashes to be put inside a ball and thrown over Niagara Falls. Oh, it's totally illegal, but people do it anywhere uh, and anyway. Um I'd like some of my ashes sprinkled in Negril, Jamaica, um, because I happen to love it there. It's like home, actually. So what 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 do you want done? And, and uh, do you talk in your family about this kind of stuff? Look, I know it's morbid, but it doesn't have to be. And the other thing in our family, uh, and uh, I'm only bringing this up here because I'm trying to spur conversation using my sick disgusted, demented, twisted, dysfunctional family as an example for all. But uh, in our family, we have a pet peeve. And the pet peeve is when somebody dies and someone says, they passed away. They passed 
away, or, well, they've passed. Um, in our family, and maybe it's the German influence, I'm not sure, in our family, we, we don't pass away. My brother Billy, in April of 2019, he didn't pass away. Billy died. You know, just like my father died. He didn't pass away. I mean, people come up with these euphemisms, and it's almost like they're linguistically afraid to face the idea that we are mortal, all of us, as human beings. Well, they passed away. No, they kind of died. Defunctist S. Anyway, uh, your family and this kind of stuff, what do you want done with your body? Uh, Maybe you haven't even talk to your family about it, but you want to talk to me about it, that's fine. And have you thought about any kind of an epitaph for yourself? There's some really funny epitaphs out there online, uh, if you ever have a chance to read them. There's one um, <laughs> There's one by this uh, Jewish guy in New York City. I think it's from Brooklyn, uh, probably Brownsville, I don't know. But he basically trashes his wife on his tombstone saying, Basically, I busted my butt, my wife traveled the world and got all these jewels and furs, and here I am in the ground. That's a total paraphrase. But what do you want done with your mortal remains? Do you want a fully casketed burial in the two-evening wake, complete with a singer? Or do you want to just be put in a cardboard box, put into the oven, and placed into an urn? Uh, or a temporary box, as the case may be. And I'm all about, look, I'm not a particularly cheap person, but I also am not profligate in my spending, although certain people might disagree with that assessment of my budgeting practices. Um, But I believe in doing death as cheaply as possible. Why? uh, I know the whole pyramid idea wouldn't be cheap. Because you got to find masons who are able to do a pyramid. You'd have to probably bribe somebody at the cemetery to say, uh, pyramid, please. Because I think a lot of cemeteries now make you have the flat, lying-on-the-ground tombstone because of grass-cutting purposes. Uh, not 100% on that, but I'm pretty sure. But what is your preference? Cremation? Fully casketed burial? Have you thought about a proper epitaph for yourself? I would like to know. I'm curious about this um, because I am. I actually have known in my life a few people who've been involved in the funeral industry. And kind of the funny thing is, is that uh, my mom, as a joke in her high school yearbook, under future plans, listed Something like, um, I I forget what it's called, but the Rochester School of Mortuary Science, which is really, it's funny because mom will not touch anything dead, Uh, except, of course, uh, food, then she will. But 803-0930 is the phone number. Come on, dudes, this is a great topic. Dudes and dudesses, you're going to leave me here hanging in the wind? You're really going to do this to me on a Friday? It's a great freaking topic. 803-0930, 803-0930, star 930. I like chastising you. It makes me feel superior. 803-0930 is the phone number. Star 930 on the cell phone. 1-800-616-WBEN. And again, a side topic. In your family, do people pass away? Or do they die? 
because in our family, we die. Um, it, it, it It's just the way we are. We're very, I can't even begin to tell you how matter of fact we are about death. And my mother would say, it's not the worst thing you ever have to do, just the last thing you ever have to do. I've heard that since I was a kid. And I've had these discussions with my mom for, you know, I'm 60, and I've had these discussions with her for as long as I can remember. And that's when I developed the idea, I don't want to be underground forever. I need to be above ground, which is so stupid, because I'm not going to know the difference. Really? Seriously? I'm not going to know. Uh, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. The one thing I don't want is to be missing, because that is hell on surviving family members. Well, he's out there somewhere, maybe, but where? Um, 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Such a great topic, and I'm gro- Oh, here we go. Okay, good. I was becoming somewhat uh, bilious about your seeming lack of interest in such an important aspect of life, which is death. Sue in uh, Buffalo, and, and don't don't read into this show that I plan on checking out anytime real soon, because I'm not. Uh, Sue, you're on WBEN. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm um, magnificent. Thank you. Hi, and I'm adorable. Um, <laughs> I, I love you. <laughs> and I love you, too. Listen, I already have my plans made out um, since I'm divorced after being married after 32 years, it was always my thought that, you know, you go through work, retirement, pension, blah, 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 with your spouse and make your final demise. Well, that didn't happen. So what I want done with myself is to be cremated and be buried with my parents. Oh, and okay, have you discussed this with the cemetery? Because um, mm-hmm. at the ce- if you want to be, it depends, do they have three plots uh, they do. It's actually my mother, my brother, and my father. And uh, what they're going to do, I suspect, is they're going to charge you like 60 bucks. They're going to do a probe. If you're going to be buried on top of somebody, they have to probe to see how much room there is available between the top of your your father's caskets and um, your eventual resting place. Well, I thought of that as well. So I'll have to be cremated, and I'll have to put my little urn that weighs about five pounds sugar. You know, <laughs> that's not going to be much. <laughs> and I'd like my dogs to go with me that are also cremated. They probably are in, like, five-pound sugar boxes. So. Yeah, okay, and, and here I'm going to tell you a little secret, and I hope nobody's uh, listening in funeral I land. Hope not but, either. Uh, yeah, I, I have the uh, cremated remains of two make that three of my beloved cats, and um, they're going to be sneaked into the urn. They're going to be sneaked in. I'm going to be okay. buried That's with my cats. That's soul. <laughs> that way I can spend the, my entire eternity in the company of, well, you know the word I'd like to use. Uh, exactly. But you know what else you have to think about? <clears throat> um, you have to leave a note behind, like if you uh, had medications out of certain pharmacy or your bank accounts or um, there's lots there's a lot to think about oh and and that is why estate planning and we have um sponsors on this show the stam firm estate planning and living living will healthcare proxy power of attorney they are so important and the most form is like the gold standard okay yeah yeah of course 
So you really but, have to but, make a list but, of your doctors. Your family oh. has to contact your doctors. They have to contact the pharmacy. They have to contact the um, utility companies. Put someone not else right away. in bank accounts. Not, not right away you don't. Um, there are there are do's and don'ts of what to do when somebody dies. And one of the things you don't want to do immediately is have the utility service shut off to their domicile because, I mean, provided, of course, they live and, and own their own domicile, because they're going to just shut off the gas and the water. And then you're going to show the house and people are going to say, boy, it's awfully cold in here. <laughs> um, there are do's True. and don'ts of whom to call uh, when somebody dies. Correct. So if you're with another person living with you, obviously that other person's going to hopefully take over um, your business and continue on, et cetera. But if you're by yourself, you really have to think about this. Uh, and, and I worked and, and, in healthcare for 43 years. And back to that, uh, it's um, morbid to think about that. I mean, I used to see people that were knocking on heaven's door, and there were people like, you really got to think about it, and people would not do it. Um, and that, you know what, that is terribly unfortunate. And like David Bellavia, although in totally different circumstances, David is a war hero and Congressional Medal of Honor recipient. I'm a member of the Kenmore East Performing Arts Hall of Fame. Um, significantly less uh, noteworthy, I think. But uh, you you need to um, make people aware of your assets, where they yes. are, a contact person, and you need to designate a beneficiary. Exactly, and change your proxy if that has, happens to be the case. And there, there's a lot. There's a lot to yeah, do. Yeah, but you, you need to talk to a lawyer. And a lot of people think the last will is very, very important, and it is, but the beneficiaries of your financial assets are actually more important in some cases than is the last will. That is correct. Correct. And the cheapest way to go, Tom, would be donate your body to science. They send it down to New York City because if they would work on you here in Buffalo, it would be a conflict of interest in case someone would recognize you. So they do send your body down to New York City for a year and then send your cremains back here and and. See, that, that, to me, that doesn't make sense because my niece went to medical school in New York City. So had I died... Oh, and then you want to go to Negril, Jamaica, then. <laughs> well, I was going to... They don't do... You know, let's do it this way. They're, they don't do very many uh, postmortems uh, or... Med, not much medical research uh, goes on in the grill. Plenty of anatomical research, however. Um, uh, right. That's, I, on the, that's on the dinner menu. At the, no, I'm kidding. I've been to oh, Jamaica three times. That's bad. <laughs> that's, you're worse than I am, Sue. Um... All right, th thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have uh, a nice so, night. what? Oh, by the way, uh, real quickly, as somebody who worked in healthcare, um, do you plan on passing away, or are you going to die? Um, I believe the day you're born, there's a day you're going to pass away, <laughs> or you can say, "Live now, and the dust will settle later." <laughs> wow. So you 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 say pass away. You don't say die. Um, there's a day you're born and there's a day you're going to die. Yeah. See, our family, like that, that is such a pet peeve with my mother. I mean, again, she's 90 years old. She's not buying green bananas, okay? Hey, I love that she's 90 years old. You better take her grocery shopping every week and don't say no to her. <laughs> uh, my mother gets whatever my mother wants <laughs> on a daily basis. Trust me.
Amen uh, to that. <laughs> th- thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the call. I hope you yeah. have more callers. What are they scared of? No, no, I got a, I got a lot of people calling in now, so it's all oh, it's good, all cool. Good. Yep, okay. all cool. Uh, but again, keep keep in mind. Look, I'm not an attorney, but I've been around a little bit, and I hang out with a lot of attorneys and um, and other degenerate criminals. <laughs> Let's get back to the calls on WBen. Uh, Scott in uh, Rochester. Scott, you're on WBen. Hey, is that Ro- what is it? The Rochester School of Mortuary Sciences. That's what it's called. Is it still around? No, Tom. Actually. Uh... That was the Simmons School of Mortuary Science in Syracuse. I'm I'm just happening to be hanging out here at the U of R Strong uh, Hospital, waiting to do my job as a funeral director. Um, and uh, my sister Gretchen uh, said texted me and said that you were talking about funeral service and uh, things to do with cremating and burying, and that I should get a hold of you and try to catch up with you on the air and talk with you about it, so that you can speak with a General director and a chief coroner in Orleans County. Oh, oh we we actually went to school together, and you almost died in a car crash. That's correct. Back in 1996, June 26. Who's who's counting the? Okay, I, I know for I know this person, and I can vouch for the fact that he is a licensed funeral director. Um, first of all. Why did you go into the field? Your dad was a big shot attorney with a big state job, and you went into handling the dead. And I remember we went to a funeral together for one of our teachers at Ben Franklin Junior High School, Timothy J. Donovan, a war veteran and and military guy. We went to his funeral, and we were very warmly greeted by our teachers. Is that when you decided that you were going to be a licensed funeral director? Actually, I decided a little bit before that, um, and curiosity is what sparked me to to go into the business. Because uh, ap- shortly after Mr. Donovan's funeral, we had moved away uh, and moved to Middleport, and then we lived across the street from a funeral home. And uh, prior to Mr. Donovan's funeral, I had been to one funeral in my life, and that was my great-grandmother's, and it was a closed casket. So Mr. Donovan's funeral as a adolescent, was the one that I really uh, took heart with and uh, going with you there and being the only two students at our te- at our science teacher's funeral was uh, an experience because of the respect that I think we gained as students coming to pay our respects to our teacher. Yeah, because um, I think it was over Easter vacation, if I'm not mistaken. Or it was. Spring, it was. Spring break, yeah. as it's called now. See, I remember that more than I remember last night. You know, tequila, we'll catch up with you. Uh, uh, Scott, I want to continue talking with you about this because um, this I'm, I'm so like I'm so glad you're calling because you're a straight shooter. You've always been a straight shooter. And like me, you, my friend, you are also part Asian. You know that, right? <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, okay, because like German last names, but absolutely part Asian. There's just no yep. getting around it. And by the way, has your sister ever apologized for poking your eardrum out with that Q-tip when she opened the door? No, actually, that, that was me that rammed it through my eardrum, but it was my father that opened the door coming to oh. yell at me for some reason. But uh, <laughs> I've apologized to myself every day for that because I still go, huh, what? Yeah. Uh, hold on, Scott, because this this is going to be good. 
And, you know, maybe if you want, we can do ask the funeral director if you feel like it. But if you're waiting, if you're waiting on a delivery, uh, you know, don't let me tie you up. Yeah, I, I can just for a few minutes here. I'm just waiting for pathology to re, to release a, a remains into our care. So, well, you you can talk to me while you drive on your cell phone, right? Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm waiting outside at the hospital right now because he's not okay. released yet. Okay, well, uh, stand by because I've got about like a ten or you know twenty five minute break coming up. But I want to yeah. I want to continue this conversation because I know this guy. We went to junior high school together at Ben Franklin, and yes, we actually went to our science teacher's funeral um, way back in the nineteen seventies. We're the only two students who showed up um, because we wanted to show our respects to our science teacher and. Um, we didn't do it for that reason, but we actually gained a lot of respect from the teachers who were there as the only two students who showed up. So uh, I can personally vouch for this caller. Uh, 803-0930. We're going to take more calls from you uh, talking about, uh, well, death and dying, but I'm trying to do it with some degree of levity. Um, I will, however, preface it by saying that the one thing that I have a real hard time with I, I, is is children, children or young people? I am so sick of going to the funerals of twenty-somethings who are victims of fentanyl. I've been to far too many of those, and it breaks my heart every time I do it. I it just it, it breaks my heart. But you get to a certain age, and you have to face the reality of natural death, accidental death. But children's funerals. I, I cannot compose myself. I cannot keep it together. I really can't um, be, for obvious reasons. They're children. They had years ahead, and they won't enjoy those years. And um, those are absolutely heartbreaking. People my age or around my age and older, hey, that's life. Or that's death, as the case may be. 803-0930. We'll continue talking with Scott, the licensed funeral director, on News Radio 930 WBEN. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All righty, welcome. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Hey, uh, Tanner, what happened to all my phone calls, including the coroner, Scott? Scott Schmidt, actually, is his name. Because uh, I, I ain't seeing nothing on the board here. Yeah, I guess those remains that he were uh, that he was waiting for <laughs> got discharged. I guess they did. Uh, well, I hope he calls back on his uh, commute from Rochester to uh, his uh, home base of operation. So anyway, gang, uh, if you're just joining us, welcome to the show. And, you know, this this need not be morbid 
uh, at all. Uh, I'd like it to be as fun as possible. And as I've said, um, the only funerals and deaths that get to me are children and young people, okay? I have a very difficult time with that. I've seen young people taken out of cars with fatal motor vehicle accidents. I have seen way too many young people uh, in caskets because of fentanyl overdoses. And um, those stay with you. And I've been to one child's funeral, and I can't get it out of my head. It just... It's one of those memories that I wish I didn't have, but I have. And it just, I guess if if you want to put a positive spin on it, it is uh, it, the child's parents donated organs so that other kids could live. So that's the only positive spin I can put on that. But as far as uh, you in the Bowerly audience, uh, hey, I don't care if you're in your 30s. And then plus some, you got to let your family know what your wishes are. And more importantly than that, you also need to sit down with an attorney and discuss what you want. Like if you're in a permanent vegetative state, don't let your family guess as to what you'd want. Make it perfectly clear. Kill me. Um, I'm just, I mean, <laughs> what do you want me to say? Uh, and in our family, we do not pass away. We die. Because we tell it like it is. 803-0930, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. And uh, Scott, who called in before, um, like I said, we went to junior high school together for a few years. And uh, great guy and very funny guy. And had he not moved to East Jesus... Um, we would probably be very close today, and I can never seem to find the time to uh, get together with him, so I'm glad he called in to the, uh, to the program. I hope he calls back as a licensed funeral director. Um, 803-0930, what do you want that? Do you want to be fully casketed buried, which I do not want to be, uh, or do you wish to be cremated? And it's fascinating. I mean, I've, I've watched videos about cremation. I've watched videos about the embalming process. Um, and it's not, it's not pretty, okay? It really is not pretty. And I don't want that. The minute I die, put me in a cardboard box, put me in an oven, and, and that's, all, that's all I want. The, well, maybe after the sense of hearing goes, you can do that because I don't need to hear it happening in my final moments of consciousness because the hearing is the last sense to go. Um, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. So like most Americans, I wish to be cremated upon, upon my demise. But I really would like a funny epitaph. I want humor on the epitaph. Uh, let's get to... Uh, some more calls, 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Uh, if I could get away with it, I would have profanity on my headstone. <laughs> uh, anyway, here's uh, Chapman of Lancaster. Chapman, you're on WBEN. Hello. Your Royal Highness, good afternoon. I have a couple things what I want to do, but uh, the coolest thing I've seen thus far, uh, several years ago, uh, there was a... Uh, had a custom uh, casket uh, made that looked like a Pabst Blue Ribbon uh, beer can. I guess he was very fond 
of his alcohol and that brand in particular and uh, had it with uh, uh, special chambers like on the sides uh, so that it can be filled with ice and, and loaded up with beer. And uh, when the time his time came, he wanted it so that people wouldn't be upset and being sad about it. They wanted them to come to the funeral home and uh, have a, one last beer with him. In this well, you casket. know... Okay, that's fascinating. And there are a lot of pictures online of people um, posed in death on their motorcycles, posed in death in their street gear. Not exactly wow. not exactly conventional wakes, but that's what they wanted. That's what the family wanted. That's what they paid for, and that's what they got. And then what I'd like to do is either one of two things, a simple burying or just being thrown up on a bookshelf and all that's kind of boring, but I either wanted to... Either to be cremated and then like packaged up or whatever, and then just sent up on like a rocket or something, and just like jettisoned out into like space or whatever, or um, put into a uh, some sort of a containment vessel and dropped into the mouth of a uh, uh, active volcano and become part of the Earth or something. Okay, I think that is absolutely awesome. You would become hot liquid magnum. I'd be about, the, about the only time the word you and magnum will ever be used in the same sentence, pal. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, those are my thoughts on it. You and me both. Uh, but you know, the, you talk about the guy with the Paps Blue Ribbon can. Every now and again, you read these stories about people, like in 1977, the socialite named Sandra West. She was buried in her Ferrari. I remember reading yeah. a story in the 70s or 80s about a woman who was buried in her Corvette. I've heard what a horrible waste of a car. I know some of them are like, are like you can't even find half these cars anymore. Like, or none of them even drive on the road, and they're just being buried in them. It's like, I can understand their attachment to them, though. But it's like that really should be enjoyed out in the open and see the road still, not buried six feet under. Chapman, as a joke, I think it would be funny as hell to be buried in a Yugo. Ah. I mean, I'm just saying, if you're going to go, do it on the cheap. That's the Bowerly way. That's for that or a Pinto. <laughs> I guess that kind of mitigates the need for cremation. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Chapman. I appreciate the call. Uh, do you, uh, like, does your family know what your wishes are? I love the idea of being dropped into an active volcano. That is so cool. Oh, it's unfortunately just my mom that's left, and then my uh, I have my uh, sister who pops in from time to time, though. But um, I'm probably going to have to have some sort of like legal documentation done with like I don't know some like local like space or uh, geological survey group or something so that you know, arrangements can be made. It's like I die, and then a couple of years later, oh, we're going over to, uh, going out to Hawaii here and all that. Might as well get this taken care of. And then they're all doing their measurements and everything, just like reaching the bag. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to do this. And then just get just randomly chucked into the mouth of a volcano. And they're like, whoop, check that, it's done. And go on yeah, about the Yeah, there are some legal and logistical hurdles to be overcome with that. For example, what if the guy, if even if you got the permit from what is probably a protected site, 
who's going to fly the chopper right over an active volcano, number one? Number two, what if they miss where the, where the activity is taking place and your can is just on the outside waiting for the next eruption to spew hot liquid magma all over your remains? Uh, but well, you they could just use a t-shirt cannon. T-shirt cannon. Listen to you. All right, Chairman, I like the way you think. By the way, uh, in your family, do you pass away or do you die? Well, the religious uh, members of my family uh, refer to it as passing away and all, but uh, I, for one, I'm with you and all that. We, uh, uh, we cease to exist. We cash out. Uh, cease to exist, cashed out. Uh, another charming euphemism is achieved room temperature. Um, well, thank well, you very much. Reached, reached the end of my service life. Uh, Chapman, thank you very much. I appreciate the call. Like when my brother died, I saw my sister was calling on my cell phone, and I knew immediately uh, that my brother was no longer with us. And I answered the phone. Hello, Tom. Billy died. Like, no beating around the bush, no, hey, got some bad news here. Might want to sit down. Just Billy died. Um, here is uh, Todd in Buffalo. Todd, you are on WBEN. Welcome to the show, and uh, we all have to face the inevitable. And uh, what are you going to do with your remains? Full casket burial or cremation, which is the most popular in America? Tom in Buffalo, you're on WBEN. Hello, sweetheart. Hey, uh, just wondering, uh, this question was more for the uh, funeral director, but what happens in the case where somebody is cremated that has aftermarket parts in them, uh, i.e. shoulder, hip replacements, and what do they do with the titanium? Oh, that, you know what, that is an excellent question. I know that in the case of pacemakers and ICDs, they have to be removed before you can be cremated. Now, as far as the artificial parts, I don't know. I mean, I've got so many artificial parts, they're going to be able to open up a warehouse. Well, I got four out out of six right now, and I've got another one pending. That's a that's an awesome question, and hopefully Scott will call back with the answer. Uh, what happens to the what happens to your replacement knee? What happens to your uh, I mean, do the guys at the crematory go in there and yank out the ICD or the pacemaker? Uh, do they have to go in and like remove saw out your uh, titanium knees? That's a great question. And the other thing is when you mentioned getting buried in a Yugo, you would have to rename it. You went. <laughs> no, that's 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 actually quite a funny line, uh, which I may steal at a later date without giving you credit. Um, I'm all about yeah. plagiarism. Um, yeah. Thank you, thank you very much. I uh, I appreciate your call and your sense of humor. And I I must ask you: Have you discussed your wishes, whatever they might be, with your next of kin? Uh, no, I get left it up to her. If she gets the money from the titanium, have another drink. <laughs> okay, but you really—you're uh, a married man, yes? Yes, yes. Well, you now, need... probably, probably cremation. Uh. No. Yeah, no. I'm just—I'm uh, just pondering some. I'm just pondering some questions here. That's all. 
Um, you need, Tom, my, my strongest advice is you need to make it really crystal clear to your wife what you want done because as much as we might be joking about it right now, if you go first, your, your wife, your widow is going to have some questions. So you want to put it in writing or at least make it really clear what you want done because you don't want her to carry the guilt around of, did I do the right thing? Like my father knew he was cashing out. Okay, so he made it really clear. I want a fully casketed burial. I do not wish to be cremated. Right. Yeah, we we are going to talk with a lawyer regarding that. All righty. Thank you very much. I appreciate the call. You bet. All righty. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. So when it comes to your end, what is to be done with your remains? How many of you are donating your body to science? And I did not know that they sent buffalo bodies to New York City uh, because my niece, who is a doctor in New York City, uh, she went to medical school in New York City. So that would be rather awkward. Hi, Bethany. It's your Uncle Tom. Remember me? Of course, if I were to say that after being dead, uh, that might cause a little bit of a stir in the medical school. Um, Here is uh, Beth in uh, Hamburg on WBEN. Hello, Beth. Hi, how are you? I'm dandy. That's good. I have a neighbor that wants to be composted. Explain. That's the explanation. She wants to be composted. It's legal in New York State. To compost a body. Okay, but I need to know what that means. I'm not that smart. What do you mean composted? (laughs) Like put you in the backyard and compost you. Uh, Like you compost all your other what have you. You mean put you in the backyard with the eggshells and the grapefruit rinds, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, I... I, I, I check with. It's are you legal. sure that's legal? It's legal. Yeah, she's looked it up. It's legal in New York State. Um, Just recently legal. Okay. Um, you and know then what else? She wants her husband to to use her in the garden. Oh my! Use me in the garden. Um, I. I am familiar with some historical tidbits, which I think it would be in very bad taste to share. Um, but, uh, bad taste, uh, literally and figuratively, um, all right, composting the body, but there's, there's a real problem with that. And I, that's why I got to look into the legality of this because, um, you don't smell especially good after death, especially, oh, the middle of June, July, August, and the neighbors might raise, uh, shall we say a stink? Yeah. I mean that's that's why I'm I'm really I I I'm not I'd have sure to how it, I'm not sure how how it's done but I mean, she she, she's talked about it and just recently I've heard on the radio that it's legal in New York state to compost your body Yeah there but they've got when to When you be, die there have got to be restrictions on it because have you ever smelled a ripe, uh, dead human being? No. It's not. There's a pleasant. lot of people alive that don't smell that good either. Yeah, but then, let's put it this way: nothing like the smell of the dead. Um, and I'm not going to tell you stories, but uh, it's not really pleasant. 
just yeah, leave it there. I know. Not I imagine it's aroma. not. Yeah. Yeah, I can uh, imagine it's not. If you want to get an idea of what it's like, throw a hamburger in a garbage can in the middle of July. A week later, open the garbage can. It's kind of what you get. And I can't imagine neighbors being cool with that. I would be pissed off, frankly. I'm in my yeah. backyard trying to enjoy a barbecue, and i got to smell you rotting away next door. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I get offended when people fart in front of me, so... Just saying. Um, which reminds me, have, did you listen to our fart show? It's a classic. No. Um, oh, you have to. I insist. I insist. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate the uh, appreciate the call. As my boss, Lisa, is probably rolling her eyes, he's mentioning it again. Well, I'm sorry. It's the finest radio that has ever been done in the history of radio. Not just my show. I've, I've reached a new conclusion, Tanner. That show was the finest that has ever been done on the radio. Forget Murrow, forget Foster Brooks, forget Clint Buhlman. The fart show was the best in the history of this medium. I'll agree with you there. I mean, I can't say I've heard every piece of radio ever in the history of broadcasting, but so I'll just I'll just take your word and since I witnessed it, I will concur. It is the probably the finest piece of radio to ever grace any airwaves ever. <laughs> Okay, I'm just kidding, because that would be so ridiculously presumptuous. But it was my best work ever, I can say that much. <laughs> Tanner. Tanner Saunders. Hey, Lisa's not Mary McGregor, so... There's that. Anyway, uh, we're going to get back to uh, licensed funeral director Scott Schmidt momentarily, but I need to take a call from a listener, June, in Buffalo. June, we're talking about um, what you want done upon your demise. I'm all about cremation. I do not wish to molder and rot in the ground in a puddle of my own goo. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> uh, I... I uh... <laughs> I'm not hitting on you. I'm not hitting on you. Are you are you married? You have somebody special in your life? Yes, I am, and my husband's uh, just turned seventy-four. And he knows. I'm a lot younger, but I was going to say somebody robbed the cradle. Um, But anyway, my birthday was yesterday. Okay. Well, oh oh my goodness! Well, happy happy belated birthday by a day. That's wonderful. I'm not going to ask how old. It's rather impolite. But uh, kudos oh, to I don't care. It's 63. <laughs> no, so good the, for you. the more older I get, um, the more happier I am. <laughs> I uh, should have died when I was 18, and I did die, and I was resuscitated. So I can relate to your experience that, as well, but I wasn't in my 50s. I uh, was just hours away from my 18th birthday. Oh, my goodness. And do, you care what, to, that, do, do you care to tell us me. how that happened? Was it an automobile accident? Because uh, Scott Schmidt almost died in a car crash, and he knows the date. I almost died from a heart attack at 54. So both of us can talk about these near-death things, and nobody can say you're being insensitive because we've both been there ourselves. So you... Obviously, at the age of 18, that's a tragedy. 54, you kind of expect a cardiac event. But, my goodness, what happened to you? I was I was bleeding internally, and when I got to the hospital, um, I, I had what's called the NDD, NDE, the whole bit. I was resuscitated, and when I woke up, and it was back when blood had 
been in all the glass bottles. And uh, all I saw was just multiple uh, bottles on the uh, whatever they're called to hold them up. <laughs> uh, excuse me. But I asked the doctor how much blood I lost, and he said, I have no idea. You were losing it faster than we could give it to you. Where? And they had to call out. For one person, they had to call out to other hospitals for more blood. Okay, what was the cause of the internal bleeding? I had um, an atopic pregnancy and it burst. And I already was engaged to be married in in July. (laughs) We were already paying for our wedding. Everybody got married young back then. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. So did it... um, so you wish to be cremated upon yes. your demise, not at this moment, if I say. Uh, but um, no. <laughs> it, your near-death experience, did it change your life? Did it change your outlook? I was totally, um, well, uh, I ended up uh, working for the Red Cross as a phlebotomist. I wanted to fill an Olympic-sized uh, pool of blood. Um, after I couldn't work anymore, I was a volunteer for Connect Life, and I would go to high schools, uh, GCC, wow. um, UB for doctors, and tell my story. And everywhere I went, there was a three times um, uh, amount of, of blood giving in that blood drive. I would sit at blood drives. Uh, I, I uh, yeah, <laughs> it did change. Wow. It, I it just. It just made me a total servant because if it wasn't for people of our community, I wouldn't be here. It took a lot of people. Wow, that is um, that's an amazing story. And basically, you know, some people like a lot of musicians I know of a certain age. The Beatles and the Ed Sullivan Show plant pl- basically plotted the trajectory of their lives. For you, it was this atopic pregnancy which caused you to hemorrhage internally to the point where you needed so much blood, and then you became a phlebotomist. So that's um, your your destiny. I, that was your destiny. That was yeah, your and destiny. Then, and then I was promoted to being in charge of all Chautauqua and Paratacataraugus blood collections for the Red Cross. Wow. Well, good for you, June. What a great story. And, again, a belated happy birthday to you. Uh, kind of you to call and uh, tell us that story. Uh, talking about what you want done upon your demise. And uh, Tanner, I'm going to let you pop up. Uh, Herr Schmidt on uh, WBEN. So uh, anyway, uh, Scott Schmidt, we used to call him Mike Schmidt, but Scott Schmidt is a uh, licensed funeral director. We went to Ben Franklin Junior High School together back before there was this thing called middle schools, and uh, he's a licensed funeral director. And if you have a question for Scott as he's driving back to where he's got to go now that certain remains have been discharged to his uh, custody because you need a licensed funeral director basically for transport of remains in such circumstances, um, give us a call, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. So, Herr Schmidt, uh, sorry, Scott Schmidt, um, being a funeral director, and I want to get to what happens before cremation with the add-on parts, but being a funeral director and being in that car crash, which almost killed you, did that give you perhaps a greater sense of empathy or appreciation of life than you may hitherto have had? It certainly did. And not so much a more appreciation 
for life, but more appreciation for those people in my life who stepped up to the plate to take care of me uh, when I couldn't do the basic things that I used to be able to do. Uh, it gave me a greater appreciation for living each day for the moment uh, because you may not be here the next moment. And, um, you know, we, we all make all these grandiose plans. And mm. over the 38 years that I've been in funeral service, I can count, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of families that I've helped go through their grief journey and their funeral services with that their, their loved one has planned and saved for years and years for the day they retire. And two or three days after they retire, they die suddenly of a heart attack and all those plans are trashed. So it's unbelievable how many times that happens. And it's so sad because of the amount of financial sacrifice, uh, the amount of time sacrifice that those folks have put in to wait until they retire so they don't have to worry about time constraints or financial constraints. And in a moment, it's shot. So many cops I know retire from the job. They put in their 20. They retire. Within a year, they're dead. And it's like, yeah. it's un, it's unbelievable. But that, that job is not exactly one that is made for cardiac health because it's uh, intense boredom followed by outbursts of adrenaline and fear. Um, and, uh, and it happens to people outside, obviously, of law enforcement. So we had a question uh, that came in while you were signing the necessary paperwork. Um, and that is, for those of us who wish to be cremated, um, now I have an ICD which, as you know, is, uh, well, you know what an ICD is. It's like a pacemaker, except even better, because uh, it'll shock my heart back into uh, into life should I suffer cardiac arrest from my Brugada syndromes, one of the um, gifts from our Asian ancestors, Mike, Scott. Um, but uh, what happens to the... Uh, with, with the ICD or the pacemakers, do the guys at the crematory rip it out of you? No, they do not. And, you know, coincidentally, Herr Bowerly, um, my father also has one of those ICDs. And um, what, what happens is that we are required to, to have a, a family member sign a cremation authorization. And it's a three-page document in New York State that you have to initial here and initial here and assign here and initial here, agree to that. And in that document, you have to ascertain from the family members, does their loved one have a pacemaker or any other radioactive implant within their body? And if they do, it's the funeral director that removes that. And then at least at the firms that I work with, uh, we send them back to the manufacturer for uh, either re you know, reconditioning or they use the parts uh, or, or they just destroy them uh, mm. because we don't have the capabilities to destroy radioactive stuff. But they, they about, are removed before they go to the crematory because if they go through the cremation process, the intense heat from the cremation process itself has the potential for one of those things to explode inside the cremation retort. And, you know, depending on what brand or model you, you select as a cremation machine, it can run you anywhere from one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars up to four hundred, five hundred thousand. Damn. Yeah. Uh, and how about like the replacement uh, titanium parts? I mean, we're living longer. More and more people are having titanium parts and other artificial uh, parts put into their body. What happens to those? 
Those remain with the body and go to the crematory. And after the cremation process is complete, the cremation staff retrieves those pieces of metallic uh, structure uh, and place them in a special biohazard recycling container. Then there's a company that actually takes those from the crematory and processes them. Um, All the other excess metal or non-human parts, specifically metal, are, are taken out of the cremated remains before they're processed. And the crematory staff does that with, with magnets, and they also have special machinery, so there's no metal fragments or anything else except human remains when they get their cremated remains back. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's something that needs to be done, and, you know, the crematory staff is proficient in doing that. Now, this is fascinating. We also had, uh, Scott, a, a woman call in saying, um, that uh, somebody close to her wanted to be composted, and she said it was legal in New York State. And you've been called to enough unattended deaths in the middle of July and August with houses without air conditioning to know that it's not a particularly pleasant experience, and it gives you a new appreciation for Vicks VapoRub and high-quality cigars. Um, I, I I can't imagine that it would be legal to compost myself in my own backyard. I mean, why would I subject my neighbors to that wonderful aroma? Right. You know, that's one of the latest twists in funeral service that's coming down the road. Um, in New York State, and, and just as an aside, uh, a cigar on a decomposition scene is fine because it masks the odor coming from that decomposition. When you use Vicks Vaporub, remember back to when you were a kid and either your grandmother or your mother used to rub that on your chest or your feet or wherever. Why did they do that when you had a cold? What was the purpose of putting the Vaporub up close to where your nose Oh, I see where you're going with that. But at least the air you are inhaling with greater ease smells a lot better than the area around you. Well, if you use Vicks VapoRub, the purpose of that is to open larger those olfactory (laughs) venues so you're getting more of that decomposition stench. Damn. Uh, Thought I had the answer to that one, but uh, wrong again. Um, That's your question. That's your question about the decomposting or the composting of human remains isn't exactly um, here yet. What, what is here, and it's not legal in New York State yet, is called alkaline hydrolysis. Mm. And that is a process that uses water and various chemicals to break down the human tissue in a chamber using pressurized water and agitation over a period of time. It renders a uh, chemical-free, because of the chemical reactions that occur, a chemical-free and a a uh, very safe byproduct that actually goes down into the, the sanitary sewer system once that process is, is complete. And then you have bones that are left over very similar to those of uh, after a cremation is completed. If you have a question you want to ask a licensed funeral, a funeral director, uh, Scott Schmidt is uh, calling in. We went to junior high school a few years together, and he's a super cool guy. And he he takes his profession very, very seriously. But 
the 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 Scott Schmidt I knew was Mike Schmidt, and we were like a couple of pranksters at Benjamin Franklin Junior High School, and we both had German last names, but we both have the Asian look. Um, and I've run my DNA, and I know why. And probably Mike is I'm sorry, Scott is the same way. Uh, and Scott Schmidt is with us, uh, and he is a licensed funeral director. Um, you know, one of the things, Scott, with with people our age and older and maybe a little bit younger than our age in their 50s with the sudden cardiac issues that almost killed me. Um, I can handle that. I'm sure you can handle that. But do you ever do you ever get used to children who die or young people who die of whatever causes, usually a motor vehicle accident, but more and more fentanyl overdoses? Because I will tell you, I, I, I don't think I can go to another fentanyl overdose funeral. No, you never get used to it. And, you know, people say, oh, well, you, you know, you, you're a funeral director. You're numb to those kind of things. And um, we're not numb to any death, no matter what the age. We just know that that is our job to help that family through the most difficult time in their life, no matter what their age is. And they're looking to us to shepherd them through. So we have to hold our composure uh, to a point, but we also can weep with them. We also can laugh with them and share the stories about their loved one, too. But certainly for every funeral director, and I will generalize that and take any heat that that will be thrown at me from my colleagues, every funeral director, children and young people are by far the most difficult to handle and, and the worst scenario of any kind of death that we handle. Uh, because as a parent, you expect to bury your parents. You expect to bury your spouse, but you never expect to bury your children. Um, actually, in my first marriage, I did expect to bury my spouse, but she put up a great struggle. And uh, <laughs> we're actually quite good friends, I can say that. Um, Scott, ho- hold on uh, if, if you want to, because the information, I mean, look, I know you. We go way back. I mean, how many, the 50 45 years so if you want to hang on you can hang on people have questions about this at 4 30 we're going to go to hamburg and the news conference on the police involved shooting which resulted in a suspect dead but if you want to hang out you're more than welcome to do so um and uh, scott is a straight shooter always has been um and he's a licensed funeral director, and he takes what he does very seriously. So Scott's going to go on hold. Uh, he's going to talk to Tanner about his availability because, oddly enough, he's on the job right now. All right, loves, welcome. It is uh, Bowerly News Radio 930 WBEN. And I personally don't care what Punxsutawney Phil says or what Dunkirk Dave has to say, but uh, if uh, that gerbil that I let outside today says anything about me, it's a lie. Don't you believe it for a second. Uh, it is uh, nine minutes after four, Ken News Radio 930 WBEN, and um, w- this show has, it's taken a turn, and it couldn't have been for the, it, it's an awesome turn, because um, I was just going to talk to you guys about, hey, what do you want done with your body when you go? And then, thanks to his sister Gretchen, who is listening, uh, she contacted Scott Schmidt, an old chum of mine, an old school pal of mine, who is a licensed funeral director in Orleans County. 
And if you have questions for a licensed funeral director, I absolutely would love to hear them at 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Scott Schmidt, um, do you want to name the uh, place, uh, your the, your establishment uh, at which you work? Well, I, I, I work for the Mitchell Family Cremations and Funerals, and we are an overarching corporation which owns uh, Christopher Mitchell Funeral Home in Albion and Holly. We also own Bates Wallace and Heath Funeral Home in Middleport. We own Sherry Bream Funeral Home in Gasport and what used to be Ken Sherry Funeral Home in Newfane. I also own myself personally, uh, Pets in Peaceful Rest, which is a pet crematory in Lockport, New York that I opened in 2016. Wow, um, I that's that's very impressive. I must I must say, uh, Scott Schmidt is with us, and uh, let's. If you have a question, you've always wanted to ask a licensed funeral director, but it never seemed appropriate with your family around. Well, I mean, your family might be listening, but uh, this is a great opportunity because look, it we all death is as inevitable as taxes. And you need to face up to that. And I had a experience, as you know. Well, look, Bellavia in combat easily could have died. He got the he was uh, awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. Um, I almost died because of a heart attack. And the guy who's the licensed funeral director almost died in a motor vehicle accident. It was touch and go there. So uh, basically, what I'm saying is, I think we can have this discussion from a different perspective, uh, Scott and I, because. We both looked the Grim Reaper in the eye and are here to tell the tale. So if I sound cold, it's only because I've been there, and so has Scott. I mean, it's really, like, really weird to think about that. 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. Let's go to uh, Dallas, Texas, and the Grassy Knoll Assassin, Carl, on WBEN. Hello, Carl. (laughs) Hello, Tom. Yeah, my question for Scott is uh, I'd heard a few years ago an interview of a funeral home uh, employee director, I think, uh, about uh, an incident they had where a person was going to be uh, cremated, and this person was extremely, extremely overweight, maybe 500 pounds, maybe more. And what I heard is that he fueled his own fire, and even to the point where they turned off the gas assist to get get the fire going, he was still burning on his own fuel, and uh, it almost burned down the retort. Uh, have you heard about this? Do you have any experience with this? And what, is, what measures are done if you are going to uh, cremate someone that's extremely large with a lot of belly fat? I ask that because I'm, I'm a little overweight. Well, that's a great question, and it, you're correct. Uh, larger bodies um, are a little more challenging to cremate because they do, in fact, uh, assist in the cremation process because of that extra adipose tissue. And the crematories uh, have a, a request that when you have an overweight individual, I believe it's over anything over three or 400 pounds, you let them know ahead of time so they can make arrangements at the crematory to, to make sure the, the retort is set up properly with its various settings so that they can properly cremate the body without any issues or, or any hazards that may occur, like overheating of the retort chamber itself, or any kind of additional smoke or 
or residue that may want to come out of the stack. But there's so many so many regulations uh, through the DEC and the EPA and through the cremation manufacturers now that there's there's mechanisms in all these machines to prevent anything but heat vapor and water vapor uh, to come out of the stack during the cremation process. It will actually shut itself down because they're so strict as how many uh, micrograms of particulate can go through the stack. And if it's if it exceeds that certain threshold, it'll shut the machine down. So there, there are special uh, things that the crematory operators need to do. I don't have that issue at my pet crematory because we don't have, you know, four or 500 pound animals. Uh, although we, we, you know, have done a couple hundred pound um, pigs and, and, and llamas and that kind of thing. But um, generally they're just household pets. But it, there, are, there are issues with overweight, extremely morbidly obese people, yes. What a fascinating well, question. Anything else, Carl? Uh, okay, real quick. Uh, if you had, let's say you have mad cow disease or whatever they call it, where you have those prions or whatever that get in the brain, and I've heard those can't really be killed anyway. If you have something like that, is, can you be cremated? And if so, is there a worry that the prions could get out into the environment? That's all I got. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you, Carl. Uh, have you any experience in such matters, Scott? Well, I, I am not a medical doctor, and um, Carl, that, that would be CJ's disease or Kratzfeld-Jakob's disease. And there are extreme precautions that funeral directors have to take when we are asked to, to prepare or to embalm a, a body that's been infected with CJ disease. Um, as far as the prions go, I am going to plead uh, ignorance on whether they're killable or not in a cremation process. Um, it was recommended for the longest time that if you were contacted by a family uh, that's asking you to help them with a person that's passed away with that disease, that you recommend that the embalming not be done because as little touching of that body as possible was, was the safest. Uh, as far as the cremation occurs, once the body is placed in a cremation container, you, you usually don't have to worry about anything uh, anything happening as far as, you know, passing this from one person to another, especially with CJ disease, which, if I remember correctly, is um, passed through spinal fluid and various other fluids in the body, not just necessarily anything on the outside. Hmm. Uh, Scott Schmidt, licensed funeral director and uh, school chum of mine from the 1970s, uh, 803-0930, ask the funeral director. He's going to be with us until about 425. Uh, we're also going to be going to Hamburg for an update from the Hamburg PD on the officer-involved shooting today. You know, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about cremation, which is now the choice of about 60% of Americans and even more Canadians uh, for some reason. Have you any thoughts on why cremation has become so popular? Because in the early 1970s, when my mom started talking about it, people looked at her like she had three heads. Now it's become immensely popular. Why? Well, early on, Tom, it was um, it was the thing to do and the latest and greatest because it was the least expensive to do. And the generations back when we were younger, when that first wave of cremation, cremation, cremation came about, um, those families, upon their second round of another death in the family, 
we're missing the aspect of having calling hours or having some kind of a service or a celebration of life. So a, a lot of the, the manufacturers of casket companies and a lot of the different uh, companies involved in funeral service um, said, hey, well, you know, cremation was meant to be a mode of dis- disposition, an alternative to earth burial. It wasn't meant to take away everything that goes along with the dying process in funeral service. So they started making ceremonial caskets or rental caskets. And funeral homes on their own started doing that because they realized that, hey, you have to change with the times. And so they started offering traditional funeral services with cremation as an option for disposition instead of earth burial. The, the cremation trend now and it's a sad commentary on our, our, our society is a lot of it's happening because it's convenient and people don't want to have to take three days or two days or four days off of work to go to calling hours, to make funeral arrangements, to have a wake, to, you know, to have a funeral service, to go to the cemetery. Whereas if they, they make the arrangements, have the body cremated, they can wait whenever to have their celebration of life with the cremated remains. If they wanted to bury it and it's in February, they can wait till June to go ahead and bury those cremated remains or scatter them in their favorite place or or put them on the mantle at any time and decide years down the road, wait till mom dies and then we'll do dad and mom together. So it's become a a matter of convenience more so than anything else. But Mm. we've seen a, a, a tremendous rise in cremation being used just as a form of disposition and having the families still choose embalming, open casket viewing with the calling hours and a service either in a church at the funeral home or someplace else in a different venue, and then cremate the body afterwards. And whether they do the interment of the cremated remains immediately when the cremation process is over with or not, that's you know, that, that's dependent upon what the family's comfort level is and what their plans are for the cremated remains. Scott Schmidt, licensed funeral director. You know, we, we haven't talked that much about embalming and casketed burials, but I've seen videos, um, you know, I've seen videos, obviously, of cremation. Uh, I've seen videos of the embalming process. And to be very frank with you, Scott, I mean, I know you do it for a living, but the whole embalming process seems so revoltingly gross to me. Well, it's done for a reason. And the reason is to preserve that human remains for an indefinite period of time while the family has an opportunity in their own tradition to say goodbye to that loved one. And in a lot of families, that tradition is having an open casket with the body present so that people can come and say goodbye um, and subconsciously realize that that person actually has died because there's a lot of things that go on in your mind that you're not aware of that when someone dies, if you don't actually see that person dead, that your mind begins to wander. And in some folks down the road, they begin to wonder, is that person really dead or did they stage their death? And, you know, that was, you know, I don't know if it's a good example, but it's the only one I can think of at the moment when 9-11 happened. Look how many people just disappeared that were still alive because of all the unidentified human remains, all the human beings that were missing 
that no one could find or even decipher out of the remains that were coming out of the pile or surrounding areas down at, at, at 9-11 at Ground Zero. Um, so you're, you're always wondering, is so-and-so still alive? And did they do this just as a sham so that they can either run away from what, whatever problems they have in their life or whatever? But your, your mind plays tricks on you. But there's nothing like the reality of facing a dead body to tell your brain, to tell you that that person actually has died. You know, it's I interesting. It's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, it's it's no I, I, we die in our family we do not pass yes, away sir. but it, it's interesting you mentioned that because um myself and my nephew we were the only people who actually wanted to see uh my brother billy after he died um t- just to say goodbye but everybody else is direct cremation in a cardboard box, cheapest urn possible, cheapest burial possible. End of story. You know those thrifty krauts. Yes, uh, and the, the the terminology, Tom, would be least expensive because you're a human being. You're not cheap. <laughs> well, um, our family has kind of a you- warped. <laughs> You might be frugal, but you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, our family has kind of a warped view on uh, on death. And I think what everybody wants me to ask right now, okay, you embalm a body. 200 years from now, if you're dug up, do you still look like you? Or does it depend on the water level and the soil conditions, et cetera? Because when they exhumed Lee Oswald, he didn't look that good. Yeah, it, it all depends on many factors. The first factor is the condition of the body before it is embalmed. If it is treated with all kinds of chemotherapies and new kinds of drugs that counteract the embalming process and what the, the chemicals in the formaldehyde fluids uh, have in them that are designed to res- preserve, uh, rehydrate tissue, and, and, and to keep that tissue at bay from decom- decomposing, um, that's where it starts. It starts with the condition of the body. And then it starts and adds to it that are you in a protectively sealed casket, which would be a metal casket with a rubber gasket around it, making it airproof and watertight. Are you in a semi-precious metal casket, which would be a copper or a bronze uh, and possibly stainless steel, depending on your definition of precious metal, something that does not rust where it will allow an element of water or other things to get in. What about the burial vault that the casket is placed in at the cemetery? Is it protectively sealed, or is it what they call a rough box in some places, just a concrete encasement, which suffices the cemetery requirement of keeping the ground from caving in, and that you, most cemeteries have that requirement in New York State, that you have an outer interment receptacle that the casket goes in first. So there's so many variables at play. And I have exhumed bodies after 20 years that if they were to be dried out and the casket was to be relined with new interior and there was new clothing placed on these people, that they could have been shown. I've also wow. seen casketed remains that have been in the, in the ground for, say, a year or two that have been exhumed for whatever reason, either for scientific purposes, for the coroner's office, or just because the body needed to be moved and we had to replace the casket. Uh, and the burial vault, that there was no way that body was going to be even considered to be viewed by anyone. Uh, So there's so many variables that come into play with that.
Well, the big bopper was remarkably well-preserved when he was dug up because his son, they, they wanted to make sure that uh, there wasn't gunplay involved in the plane crash that killed uh, Richie Valens, uh, Buddy Holly, and the pilot Roger Peterson. Um, Scott, I'm going to have uh, Tanner uh, give you my private cell phone number, and I know we keep saying this, but at some point, you know, before we both are in that box, um, we, we really should get together. My schedule is uh, not very easy right now, juggling many, many balls, but uh, we, we should definitely get together and uh, knock a few back, shall we? I, I'd love that, and I, I know we've been trying to do that for years, but both your schedule and mine are as crazy as a, a one-eyed cat in a farm. But uh, well, I heard your schedule is pretty dead, personally, but... Yeah. <laughs> Scott, thanks. We'll you talk know, to you, you soon. Know, you know how I signed my letters, Tom, when we were taught in English class, very truly yours, yours truly. I signed mine eventually yours. So <laughs> Eventually yours. All right, Scott, we'll talk to you soon. Scott Schmidt, licensed funeral right. director. I fell into a burning what ring the of hell? fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went up higher, and it burns, 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 the ring of fire, the ring of fire. It is funny how some people say they're not into country music, and then it turns out they really are into country music. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Tanner Saunders. Uh, Tanner, are you going to come out of the closet yet uh, and admit your fondness for country music? Uh, I mean, it's not my preferred genre, but, you know, I'm not going to discount a song just because it's part of a certain genre. If the song's good, the song's good. doesn't matter what genre it comes from. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do, do you listen to a lot of Taylor Swift? Are you a Swifty? No, I've heard two Taylor Swift songs. One of them is country, though, Teardrops on My Guitar. I love that song. My dad put me onto that song, and he is by no means a Swifty, but that's one of those where it's, it's a good, that's a good country song. Okay, um, as long as it's not tears in heaven, um, I was at a funeral for a 40-year-old woman who was very loved by a lot of people who owned a local establishment, and um, <clears throat> the musician, I'll, I'll get choked up just talking about it, the musician started playing tears in heaven, and it's like, okay, I need a tissue, I need a tissue, I need another tissue. It was so... Like, please, if I do a memorial service, it's got to be cashmere. <laughs> it's got to be cash. It can't be anything emotional like that. Maybe American Pie and side two of Abbey Road. That would be awesome. And, of course, Steely Dan. We've got to throw in some Dan. So I want really cool music at any memorial service that is done uh, but, see, I want to be instantly cremated. Not right now. Not this very moment. But um, maybe a memorial service would be nice. You know, look, there's his urn. Looks an awful lot like a Tom McCann shoebox from 1972. Um, but anyway, uh, that was kind of cool to talk to Scott Schmidt. And here's here's the thing about doing um, talk radio in your hometown. Um, of course, I've had opportunities elsewhere. But, you know, um when you do talk radio in your hometown and somebody with whom you used to hang out has something to offer the show and they call in like Scott Schmidt did. And it's just, it's great having the connections that I have with so many people in so many areas. 
and I'm grateful that Scott Schmidt called in, and I hope that at some point we're actually able to get our schedules together. I mean, basically, you know, we're two very busy guys, and I'm juggling many, many balls right now. You, I don't I don't talk about it on the air, but you have no idea the number of balls that I'm juggling. And um, I hope we're able to get together because all too often what happens is you plan on getting together, you want to get together, and then the person with whom you wanted to get together or you ends up dying before the reunion can take place. And uh, that's very, very sad. And uh, anyway, uh, thanks to Scott Schmidt for uh, calling into the program and uh, it's just, uh, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Look, I know it's a morbid subject. I, I, I get that. But I'm glad that he called in um, and was able to share some information. And obviously, he's a likable fellow. He always has been. And we were basically two kids at Ben Franklin Junior High School before it was a middle school uh, we were of reasonable intelligence, but we both had, uh, let's just say, uh, rather unusual senses of humor, and leave it at that. Uh, it is uh, 441. Well, that uh, Hamburg News Conference sure didn't take up a half hour, did it? Uh, but it was very, very, very smart, and it was very well done, because the police gave the basic facts of what they know, um, and they also made it very clear that the New York State Police, as well as Letitia James, not real big fan of police officers, um, Letitia James, the Attorney General, is going to be assisting in the investigation. And the police gave just enough information to say, look, here are the basics of what happened. We're not going to take questions, because why lock yourself into a story? Why? It's the same reason why you would call a lawyer if, God forbid, you ever had to use physical force or deadly physical force against somebody. Don't say a thing except, I would like to speak with my attorney. You'll have our full cooperation, but I want my attorney present. And that's what police officers do when they are involved in an officer-involved shooting. I want my PBA rep or lawyer present before I answer any questions. Uh, But obviously, body cam video is going to be reviewed. Uh, and a determination will be made by those in power as to whether under Article 35 of the New York State Penal Code, the use of deadly physical force was justified in Hamburg this morning. And the body cam should be uh, conclusive evidence one way or the other. But I think the uh, captain did a great job. I, look, I thought it was going to go, go like 20 or 30 minutes. I could mail in the rest of today. But it wasn't the case. But it was a very smart and well-done news conference by the police, and especially the part where they said, look, we're bringing in the New York State Police. And who who is in charge of the New York State Police? Ultimately, it's Governor Kathy Hochul, okay? She is the head of the New York State Police. I mean, the person they... (laughs) Who, whoever is the top dude or dudess, they answer to Kathy Hochul because it's an appointed position. And then Letitia James, I think we know enough about Letitia James, very, very smart news conference by the captain in the town of Hamburg. And um, I know that the people who lost a loved one who died today in police gunfire, obviously they're in a state of grief, but so is the police officer who did the shooting. Um, 
because I guarantee that officer did not go to work saying, I did not you know, show up at 8 a.m. for the shift saying, you know, I really hope today I get to draw my service weapon and kill somebody. Um, no, 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 no. Doesn't work that way. And um, I hope the officer is okay. I hope the officer is receiving proper counseling. Uh, and support in his or her time of need because it isn't, I mean, even for a hardened police officer, it is not an easy decision to take somebody's life. Look, the situation with George Floyd disgusted me as much as it disgusted anybody who saw that video. But this it does not sound like uh, uh, an ordeal that lasted a long time. It was a struggle and... If the police officer and the body cam video demonstrates that the police officer had a reasonable fear that deadly physical force was about to be or in the process of being used on the officer, then the officer had every right to use deadly physical force. And this is, by the way, also I think one of the terms you're going to hear, and I'm not a lawyer, but one of the terms you're going to hear is exigent circumstances. The police had reason to enter without a search warrant due to what is known as exigent circumstances. In other words, they basically tracked a burglary in process person to a place with an open door and uh, announced themselves and a struggle ensued. Um, and do I have additional questions? Yeah, I, of, of course I do. But as of right now, it was a smart news conference. Now, look, there might be information that comes out later that makes me change my opinion. Like, oh, my goodness, what if the door was open because somebody was letting the dog out? That's not good, obviously. But um, the, the, the re- anytime somebody is killed by a police officer or by an armed citizen, Race doesn't matter. Creed doesn't matter. Color doesn't matter in the eyes of the law. The only thing that matters in New York State is, was deadly physical force used in accordance with Article 35 of the New York State penal law, defense of justification, meaning, yes, I did it, but I was justified in doing it. What ordinarily would be a crime was actually okay because of the circumstances the officer faced. And a police officer is under no obligation to retreat. None whatsoever. A police officer does not have to run away. A police officer can stand his or her ground in a situation like that. And believe me, I've gone through enough personal training in such matters. I don't have to be a lawyer. I can pretty much recite Article 35, chapter and verse, if you would like. But again, a very wise news conference by Hamburg PD. And look, the body cam video eventually is going to be released. Somebody is, they will either release it or some media outlet is going to FOIA it and we will uh, see the police video. Some of us will probably see the whole thing, but uh, some people, the media will probably get the version of the video right up until the point where the firearm was discharged against the individual who is now deceased. But uh, anyway... Look, there there was another hey, there was another situation in Hamburg, um, I don't know, twenty or thirty years ago, uh, involving um, uh, Cook, and uh, he, he was a cop in Hamburg, and 
he basically jumped into a car, I think it was on Route 5 somewhere, uh, and basically the individual in the car accelerated, putting, I think he was a lieutenant at the time, putting him at imminent danger of death. So he used his service weapon and he neutralized the person driving the car. And there was actually a lawsuit that was filed, which was pretty quickly dismissed uh, against him. But he still went through a hell of a lot uh, in that officer-involved shooting all those years ago. I think it was back in the early 2000s. I don't know. But uh, he was exculpated uh, criminally, and he was released of all civil liability in, in the situation. That case went absolutely uh, nowhere, and well as well it should have. But, now again, not to repeat myself, but I guess I do tend to do that from time to time, but only from time to time, of course. Um, the only thing that matters is Article 35 of the New York State Penal Code and was it adhered to and what the body, what the, uh, body cam video shows. Um, and they're very smart, and I think they have to. I could be wrong on that, in calling in the state police, an independent agency under the control of Governor Hochul, as well as the state attorney general's office to make sure that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed so that uh, you don't end up uh, in a situation in which you do not want to be in. Um, so, I, again, it was a short news conference, but it was very uh, it was very smart. Um, for those who missed it earlier, blink and you missed it, but it's the smart move. This is uh, the police captain of the town of Hamburg uh, talking about this morning's officer-involved shooting, which left a subject dead. And let's pick up the news conference and get the police version of what happened right now. I'll read a brief statement. I will not be taking any questions. Um, you know, all the information we have will be released in this statement, okay? <clears throat> At about 10:30 uh, this morning, the town of Hamburg police received a 911 call from residents on Willett Road reporting uh, a burglary in progress. Our officers responded to the Willett Road address, where they received a description of a subject who had committed the burglary uh, from the homeowner on scene. Uh, the subject was then tracked to a residence on McKinley Parkway. Responding officers found an open door to that residence on McKinley Parkway, uh, announced themselves, and made entry to clear the house. Upon entry, one of the officers encountered a female in the residence where an altercation ensued and the officer did discharge his firearm, uh, striking the subject. Uh, EMS, or officers on scene immediately uh, rendered first aid and EMS was not notified and did arrive to take over uh, advanced life support. Uh, despite all efforts, that subject uh, was pronounced deceased at the scene. Uh, this is an ongoing investigation. The Town of Hamburg Police are being assisted by the New York State Police uh, and the New York State Attorney General's Office. As more information becomes available, we will release it to the media. Uh, that's not going to happen uh, today. And I will not field any questions. Thank you. Uh, possibly the shortest news conference ever by a police captain. Um, do I draw any inferences from that? No, I do not. Just making an observation. It is uh, 454 at News Radio 930 WBEN. It is uh, Bowerly. And uh, obviously, uh, obviously, I have a lot of questions, but I'm not going to get them answered today, at least not on the air. But uh, I'll get the information, but I'm kind of limited as to what I can share without 
Now, you, you understand these things. Um, anyway, it is uh, coming up on 455 at News Radio 930 WBEN. So here's the deal. Um, Tanner played Johnny Cash, the man in black, because earlier today in the 2 o'clock hour coming on the air, I made the statement that, oh, it's National Wear Red Day, and here I am all in black. And it's National Wear Red Day to raise awareness of heart disease in women. Because for both men and women, heart disease is the number one killer in America. And actually, I think around the world as well. Um, There's so many things that can go wrong with uh, the heart. Call a cardiologist sometimes. To reach our electrophysiology department, press 1. To to reach our device clinic, press 2. To reach our angiogram department, press, I mean, it, your heart is very, very complex, and cardiologists are among the highest paid of medical specialists uh, as a uh, result. But uh, I want to talk about uh, you and uh, your heart event in the uh, 5 o'clock hour on WBEN, and I'll never forget the call we took from a lady uh, six or eight weeks, six or eight months ago, rather, who basically was dead on her kitchen floor, and EMS was able to uh, defibrillate her and bring her back to life. But look, I've had a heart attack, open heart surgery, quad bypass, and uh, you know, been there and done that. So it's it's kind of a part of my life, and it's probably a part of your life as well. And uh, I want your stories coming up after the, after the 5 o'clock news on this National Wear Red Day. But frankly, I wish it wasn't just about, oh, women and heart disease. I think it should be about everybody and heart disease personally. Um, for example, our black brothers and sisters are more prone to heart disease than a typical Caucasian. Uh, and high blood pressure and diabetes. Um, it's just, you know, genetics. <laughs> Sometimes, guys... Our genetics, regardless of our culture or our background, sometimes our genetics can just suck. Let's face it. Um, it is, uh, I mean, you think I wouldn't like to be six foot two? Come on. Uh, it is uh, Bowerly. I mean, when circus is called to recruit you, you got an issue. Yeah, hello, loves. It is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Great to be with you on this uh, Friday, the second day of February, Anno Domini 2024. And uh, again, not to keep talking about it, but uh, we're going to Germany. Yes, we're going to Germany. And you can go to conservativetours.com, conservativetours.com, for all of the information. We're going to leave on September 8th, 2024, and we shall return on the 19th of September, 2024. And basically, we're going to see so much in Germany, it's not funny. Munich, München, Mozart's Salzburg, Nuremberg, Frankfurt, Rottenburg, Neuschwanstein Castle, Dachau, which is a memorial site, I should point out, Heidelberg. Berchtesgaden, Nymphenburg, sounds interesting, the Alps at Zugspitze, uh, and the rise and fall of Adolf Hitler in the Third Reich. And if that sounds interesting to you, uh, you can uh, listen to me further massacre German uh, by going on the trip with us. That's uh, 4977, and uh, it's going to be my first time in Germany. My daughter, she's been there a lot, <laughs> and uh, we're looking, Nymphenburg, huh? 
Hmm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> oh, why me? Or would it be Nimpenburg? Anyway, uh, good to be with you on News Radio 930 WBEN. Tanner, I think you should come too. Tanner Saunders, scrape together the 4977, and you should come. All right. I've always wanted to go uh, um, overseas, over to Europe, particularly. I had Auschwitz in mind. I'm kind of a history nerd like you, and I've always wanted to see that, but uh, Dachau would be. I don't want to say cool. That doesn't sound like the right word, but it would be a uh, pretty sobering experience, I would say. Um, well, actually, what's interesting is the actual place called Dachau is a beautiful uh, dorf. It's a beautiful town, little town. Um, it obviously has sinister connotations because Dachau was the first concentration camp uh, thought up by Hermann Goering. Um which the Nazis used to detain dissidents against the Nazi party. And um, a number of people were murdered at Dachau. Um, Auschwitz was an out-and-out extermination and forced labor camp, Auschwitz-Birkenau, and that's in Poland. Um, And it would be a very sobering experience, as uh, people have said, excuse me, to actually uh, be there. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to this trip. Um, fascinated by history. My daughter's fascinated by history. Don't know where she got that from or <clears throat> from where she got that. But, anyway, uh, it would be awesome, Tanner, if you could come along. It really would be. I I'm agree. just saying. I would. I'll, B- I'll bounce think it about past, it. Bounce it past Lisa. Bounce it past Lisa and Tim. Just saying. All right. She's it, in the it, room. Oh. How nice for you. Uh, it is uh, Bowerly being overseen. Uh, it's Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. So, getting back to uh, what we're talking about earlier. Um, so, today is National Wear Red Day. And it's all about raising awareness of women and heart disease. And look, I've got no issue with raising issues about heart disease affecting women. But as a man, um, I think it really should apply to everybody. Not just women, because guess what? All of us have a heart. Well, in my case, that may be somewhat in question, but all of us have a heart. And heart disease is the number one killer of men and women in the United States and most of the other parts of the world with which I have any familiarity. And I'm kind of curious, excuse me, I'm kind of curious as to uh, your experiences with uh, heart disease and we think about heart disease and your heart attack. And I've told my story more times than I probably should have. So I'd prefer to hear your story instead of telling you my story for the 18,000th time. Um, the bottom line of my story is um, the doctors do not know how I possibly survived what I survived. And I remember them talking about it in the room after the angiogram and specifically the words, we don't know why this guy's still alive. And that is, when you hear that, that's pretty sobering. And it was also kind of exhilarating, like, aha, I'm indestructible, aren't I? Um, So what was your experience with your heart attack? And very, very briefly, I should point out that uh, 
I had my Widowmaker <laughs> for about a week before I went to the hospital to do anything about it. And I'm convinced the only reason I actually am alive today is because I thought I might be having a heart attack. I was in a total state of denial. I thought I might be having a heart attack. And I would chew three aspirin a night before going to sleep, and I would drink a towering glass of red wine. And I think that it's something to do with giving me just enough to keep the heart a-going. And I've also told you the most sobering part of that day in December of 2017, the most sobering part was going to one of those urgent medical care places, seeing my blood pressure, both readings in the 200s, signing a release saying, I'm leaving against medical advice, going home, sitting on the couch, and I don't know what happened. I sat on the couch, and something finally clicked in me. If I fall asleep, I'm not going to wake up again in this world. So I immediately called somebody who took me to Buffalo General, and Buffalo General saved my life and had to wait a few days for quad bypass because they had to give me some serious blood thinners to uh, keep me alive for a while. Uh, There's some other complications involved. And, uh, you know, to this day, I mean, Kaleida Health, Buffalo General, Gates Vascular, Gary Grossner, MD, the and all the nursing people and surgical people and anesthesia people, um, I think about them every day because if it wasn't for those people – I would not be here. If it wasn't for Buffalo General and Kaleida, I would be dead. I have no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. And uh, Grossner is a guy who basically does, okay, open heart surgery, open heart surgery, open heart surgery. It's all he does, like seven days a week, is open heart surgery. And he's awesome at doing it. And I'm grateful that uh, Buffalo General and Kaleida were around to – saved my life because had that happened anywhere else i would be a distant memory to everybody because as much as people say we'll never forget him all right tell me all about frank benny and john otto yeah you can't because you forgot him um but anyway my kids might remember me here and there now and again but that's about it and that's okay i mean how often have you thought about uh, hubert humphrey 803-0930, huh? Star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. Tell me, tell me your story about your heart disease and your heart attack because it's National Wear Red Day. And maybe it was a spouse. And all I can tell you is I had tightness in my chest, which should have been a dead giveaway, no pun intended. I had um, difficulty breathing um, and, and fatigue, extreme fatigue, and a feeling of impending doom, similar to when I get a call from Tim Wenger and he wants to see me face-to-face. 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. I'm glad he likes me. <laughs> Here's uh, Jim in uh, Newfane. Jim, you're on WBEN. Tell us a story. Yeah, so the story uh, involves my dad who was in his mid-80s. And one day uh, I was out working, and he came up to me and he says, Boy, he says, I feel lousy right now. And I look at him, and he's got uh, ashen gray pallor, mm. uh, some cyanosis or blueness around the lips. I, uh, I check his, uh, his pulse rate, and it's bounding and thready. And uh, I said, um, 
to myself, you know, this is worth a call to his GP. So I called the GP on the phone, and he said, uh, get him up to Gates right now. And it turns out that uh, he had a probably uh, 97, 98% blockage in the area uh, where the uh, you get a widow maker if it gets completely blocked off. And he ended up with quadruple bypass sur- uh, surgery. And, okay, uh, tw- only 12% of people who get the Widowmaker survive the Widowmaker. Wow. I don't know what the statistics are for an 85-year-old man with the Widowmaker. That is astonishing to me. He yeah. must he must be strong as a freaking ox. Oh, uh, he was a good strong man. Uh but the thing that I would say is that uh he didn't have uh you know any tightness in the chest or any uh pain ranging down, you know, let's say uh you know radiating down his arm. It was just that he he felt really lousy, and uh, he had that uh, that poor perfusion. That I checked his nail beds on uh, you know capillary refill. He just the the uh, the output of his cardiac system just wasn't up to snuff. And so what's your what's your medical background? Because nobody uses these terms who doesn't have a medical background. EMT. Okay, <laughs> I knew it because come on, you just you don't use those terms unless you know damn well what you're talking. Hold on, would you? Sure, sure. Uh, Jim in Newfane. So it's National Wear Red Day for heart disease for women, which, ladies, I love you. You know that. And you love me. <clears throat> One in particular. Um, anyway, um, she knows who she is. But anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, where was I? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, we're going to take your calls, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Here's a hint. I'll be with her tonight. Bowerly, it's National Wear Red Day, and as you know, I've got a thing about heart disease because I have cardiovascular disease. I should not be alive right now. I would not be alive right now if not for Kaleida and Dr. Gary Grossner and... You know, I name my doctor because I take full responsibility for naming him, but I don't want you naming any doctors, uh, especially if you had a bad outcome. That's, that's going to get me in trouble. But, uh, again, um, I, I was I was as close as you can be to checking out, and if I'd have fallen asleep on that couch that day, uh, it would be the Joe Beamer show. Here is uh, Jim in uh, uh, Newfane again. Jim's 85-year-old dad. Uh, had a Widowmaker, of which only 12% of the people who have it actually survive it. And they did what procedure on him again, sir? Uh, it would have been a quadruple bypass. It was uh, it was a pretty major undertaking, but they managed to uh, do some really fine work, you know? Well, okay, here's here's the issue, though. That I, I, a question about the quad bypass with an 85-year-old person. As we become older, the vascularization in our body deteriorates and degenerates, in part sure. because of gravity, in part because of age. How did they ever find harvestable veins uh, in order to use those as the bypasses to the heart? Well, they went down into his uh, his legs, and they, uh, they were able to, you know, get sufficient... Uh, uh, you know, vessels to be able to do the job. So something I, I did want to remember, or I did remember, and I didn't want to mention to you, I was having a conversation with a paramedic who almost lost her grandmother to a, a cardiac arrest. And this, uh, this paramedic mentioned that her grandmother presented in a way very typical of females having a heart attack, which is not the atypical signs that are consistent with men. And it's a whole different ball game with women frequently yes. when they're having a heart attack versus men. And 
So the, for this particular patient, she was feeling uh, pain in uh, her, I think, her right breast. Right. And she uh, she ended up, uh, you know, going into arrest. Oh, my goodness. And obviously, I believe you said at the beginning of the phone call, that, or the beginning of uh, this part of the phone call, that there was a uh, successful outcome. Uh, yeah, for both patients, uh, yeah, for this paramedic's grandmother that I know, but also for my dad. But it's just interesting that men present their signs differently than women do, you know? Uh, yes, and women should look up heart attack signs in women versus heart attack signs in men. But mm -hmm. by the way, that does not mean that men cannot present with female symptoms and females cannot present with male symptoms. It's a general guide, and yes. you know this from being an EMT. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think uh, some of it is to follow your intuition, too. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a terrible thing to say. We're no. supposed to base everything on training. But, hey, you know, if it doesn't look right, you better follow up on it, you know. Well, you know what? I I'm still trying to figure out why, and I never will know the answer to this, why it took me a week. And I was clearly having a heart attack for like a week. Why it took me a week to get myself to the hospital. When Bellavia looks at me and says, dude, you need to get to the hospital. And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'll, I'll be totally okay. I know a guy who said the same thing to a workmate, dropped dead about five minutes later. Um, wow. Thank you very much. I appreciate yes. the call, Jim. And thank, thank you, you for your work as an EMT. Okay, take care now. Thank you. All right, uh, that's, and that's, that's great. Talking about you and your cardiac event, um, I had mine, and uh, frankly, uh, I've told the story like way too many times, so I'd much rather hear your story because it's far better to hear you than it is me, I think, on any given day, personally, loves. Oh, now we're not going to Asia, either with an S or A-J-A. -A. Oh, man, I hope Steely Dan, well, Donald Fagan, goes on tour again soon, because I, I miss having his saliva sprayed all over my nice suits. Anyway, uh, it is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Um, welcome to the show. So today is National Wear Red Day. Uh, to raise awareness of women's cardiac issues. Well, tell you what, um, I'm all about raising awareness for women, but, you know, men deserve a little of, of respect too, okay? Um, heart disease is the number one killer of men and women in America. It will eventually get me, and it almost got me at the age of 54. And I want to hear your stories at News Radio 930 WBEN because you've heard mine like a million times. Uh, but you've got a story about surviving, and you know maybe you got away with a stent. You lucky bastard. Uh, maybe you had to have the full open heart surgery. Uh, maybe somebody just didn't make it. Maybe you had cardiac arrest and you had to be defibrillated, like uh, Damar Hamlin. Uh, here is uh, Al of Clarence on WBEN. Hello. Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Um, absolutely fabulous. It's Friday. The show's almost over. It doesn't get any better than this. That's true. That's true. Well, I got a little story for you. I was 54 also. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. I happened to wake up and look in the back of the house, and uh, my barn was all bright lights. Hmm. Uh, what the heck's going on? So 
I went around to the front of the house, and I seen the bright lights by the garage door. I went down, opened the garage door, and lo and behold, my truck was on fire. I ran back in the house, grabbed a pair of pants and some shoes, and hollered to the wife, called 911. We get trucks on fire, get everybody out of the house. So uh, I went back to the truck, and in the back of the toolbox, I had a fire extinguisher. I hit the, f- the truck with the fire extinguisher, and then they happened to all get up. They got everything together, and we started a bucket brigade throwing water on the fire. Uh, I'm a volunteer fireman, so the boys pulled up with the rig. I told them, hey, make sure the nozzle's on. It came off the last time we had a car fire, and they went to put the fire out. And I went to talk to my uh, chief that was next to me, and all of a sudden, I just hit the ground. I blacked right out. Uh, My son, which is also a volunteer firefighter, and the chief did CPR on me. And it just so happened that two paramedics from Twin City were on their way over to see the fire because they were photographers and they wanted to get pictures. They pulled up, and they had shocked me within 40 seconds. Wow. I can't. Yeah. I came to, they said, Al, we got to hit you again. I said, hey, do what you got to do. They hit me again, got me set, put me in the rig. They shipped me down to Suburban. Suburban got me stabilized, and then I went down to uh, Buff General, and that's where they took care of me. They were waiting for me as we pulled up in the ambulance. It was my birthday. Oh, get well, Shakespeare died on his birthday, too, so you would have been in good company, <laughs> just saying. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> But thank God I'm not. <laughs> well, I'm still here to tell the story. <laughs> okay, but now when you consider, uh, just can we just consider the chain of events in your cardiac situation that combined to save your life? Number one, you had a fire chief, first responder right next to you when you went down. Number two, right. within a minute of your arrest, you were defibrillated by EMS personnel who just happened to be on the scene. Oh, yeah, and they had a defibrillator they could use. Yep. I mean, that's, that is an amazing. So what was the uh, diagnosis? What, what caused it? Did you have uh, stenotic um, arteries? They always told me that I had a heart murmur, but what right. I actually had was a hole in my aorta valve. Oh. So through the hospital, we replaced the, the valve, and I got a St. Jude valve, and I've been good ever since. Wow. And that was the only thing they said that you needed? Yep. I had a double bypass, but he actually said, you know what? You're still doing good on them, but we're all set. We double-checked them with everything, and you're good to go. Wow. What, what a great story. Uh, did they fly you from Suburban to uh, General, or did they just take no. the roads? No, we took the roads. Wow. That's uh, that, uh, that's a great story. But, okay, when again, th- this is perfect. <laughs> well, the, okay, but the chain of circumstances which surrounded your still being alive is somewhat remarkable. So I must ask you, Al, has that changed your life at all, number one? Oh, it wakes you up. That's for sure. You think twice. (laughs) It was shocking. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Uh, You've got an electric personality, I've heard. So uh, number two, and and I mean this seriously, one of the things I think that the cardiologists and the heart surgeons 
and the nurses need to do a better job on is telling cardiac patients about what happens in the weeks and months following a cardiac event. Do you know of what I speak? Oh, yeah. What happens in the weeks and months afterwards? Just say the word. It takes a while to get back on track, I'll tell you that. And you got to do it slow. You do just what they tell you to do. The word I was thinking of, sir, was depression. Uh, I didn't have too much depression. A little bit. I knew I could get back going again, and I fought to get back going again. Uh, I did what, like I said, I did what they said. A couple times I did a little too much, and I had to sit down and say, whoa, back off, Jack. You want to be here a while. Did, did you go to, did you go to cardiac rehab? Yeah. Best thing you can do. I was so glad I went yeah. to cardiac rehab. Best thing, best thing ever. But seriously, those of you who are going to have cardiac events and those of you who do, and you think to yourself, am I weird? Because how come I'm depressed? How come I'm crying every single morning without any reason to cry? Depression hits at least 30% of people who've had heart attacks or serious cardiac events. And the doctors, I had to find that out on my own. Like, okay, why am I like this? I mean, I was like... uh, it, don't be offended, ladies, but I mean, I had premenstrual syndrome uh, for quite some time. Oh, I didn't. I didn't have that problem with that. I was down a few years earlier, where I got busted up both my legs, and uh, that was depressing for a while because I was in a wheelchair. That's the only way I oh. could get around. Oh, dude! And shoot. <laughs> But like I said, everything just worked out for this. It was perfect. The timing for everything just worked out. Well, Al, I thank you. I I thank you for the call. Glad you're still here. And uh, hang in there, man. Hang in there. There's a there's got to be a reason you're here. You might never know what it is, but there must be. Thank you very much. Uh, and yeah, and those of you, tell you what, if you've had a heart attack or cardiac situation. Uh, at least a third of you know exactly what I'm talking about because. You th- I mean, you should be happy and overjoyed that you survived what most people do not, especially with the Widowmaker. Um, but for whatever reason, there is a connection between your heart attack and cardiac event and depression. And I've talked to some big, tough guys who've had their heart attacks, and they have admitted to me, yeah, Tom, I would wake up every morning crying, and then I'd cry in the afternoon, and then I'd cry before going to sleep. And it's not, it's nothing of which to be ashamed. It happened to me. It happened to me. I mean, and I had no idea what was going on. Like, why am I like this? You know, I felt like I was in my first trimester or something. Right now, I look like I'm in my third trimester with the hernia surgery, but that's another story. 803-0930, star 930 on the cell phone, 1-800-616-WBEN. Uh, Tanner is not the father, though. I think we should point that out. Um, 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. It is National Wear Red Day to raise cardiac awareness for women, but I think we should raise cardiac awareness for men and women because heart, heart disease is the number one killer of both genders. And in my world, there are only two genders. Um, here is Joe in Tonawanda. You're on WBEN. Hello. Hello, Tom. How are we doing this evening? Uh, it's a beautiful evening. Yes, sir. It's it about is. as sunny, it's about as sunny in the evening as it is in the daytime here. Anyway, what's on your mind? 
in 2017, I was pulling the boat home from the Kinzu Reservoir down in uh, Pennsylvania with my wife after a camping trip. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I got this tremendous pressure in my chest. My left arm started to hurt, my <gasps> jaw on the left side, my neck. And I knew she'd never uh, drove and pulled the boat before, and we had a long way to get home. We were supposed to stop at the north end of the reservoir. Well, I pulled over. I got out. She asked what I'm doing. I said, I'm just checking out this spot for a minute. And I walked around the truck. I didn't know what was going on, but I suspected what was going on. And so I got back in the truck and I told her, I don't feel good. We're going straight home. And she said, okay. So as I headed towards uh, Warren, Pennsylvania, I told her to Google a hospital. Um, We got to the hospital. I asked her two times, are my lips blue? Because I've actually uh, helped save one one guy in Massachusetts back in the early 90s. And so what happened was I... Parked the truck in the boat at Warren General Hospital. I walked in and I gently moved a woman out of the way at the at the window and I whispered to them, uh, "She can do her paperwork somewhere else. I'm having an effing heart attack." And uh, ultimately, after 12 hours at Warren, and then another, it took about 12 hours to get me up to Buffalo General because there was no cardiologist at. Uh, mm. At Warren, they discovered that uh, I had suffered from something called pericarditis, which feels <laughs> exactly like the Widowmaker, uh, but you can breathe. And but that's, that's the that's difference. Fluid, fluid around the heart. Well, uh, essentially, it can be fluid around the heart. It can be caused by a virus, a regular flu virus. The cardiologist at Buffalo General around 2 in the morning asked me, Did, have you been sick in the last six weeks with a elevated temperature over 100 sustained three days? I said, yes, sir, I did, exactly six, six weeks ago to the day. Wow. And so uh, what it is, it's a fluid buildup that causes pressure between those two linings that surround your heart. And uh, when they say it felt like an elephant sitting on my chest, yes, sir, that's exactly what it felt like. The difference is I could breathe the entire time, and my lips never went blue. So I was getting oxygen. That's why I really didn't know what was going on. Mm. Um, But I do thank the cardiologist at Buffalo General, the doctors at Warren. They uh, got me through it. And, Tom, when you say the word depression, what I say what happened to me and it really took a long time. I, I, I was I was clicking my heels after they told me what it really was. I thought everything was fantastic. But months and months later, I developed something that I describe as the jitters. I was <laughs> jittery all the time, nervous, anxious. Um, I don't want to say depressed because I didn't really feel depressed. I was nervous all the time like I was going to die at any minute. You are bringing up something that people need to realize. I brought up the D word as in depression when it comes to having a cardiac event and how you feel after the cardiac event, but there's also something else that needs to be addressed. You know, Joe, one of the things that uh, I've pointed out, and I do so without embarrassment, is after my situation, um, and for quite a period of time, uh, you want to talk about depression? Oh, my, it it was bad. It was really super bad. And I, sometimes I don't even know how I did shows because all I wanted to do was stay in bed all day and sleep and cry. But you talked about having the jitters, like I could die at any time. There's another thing that comes along with having a near-death experience, and that is just like any other near-death experience, uh, post-traumatic stress. 
It's not just a combat exactly. thing. It's a life thing. Exactly. And what you had sounds an awful lot like post-traumatic stress. And so my doctor explained that to me. Great doctor. Uh, I'm just going to call him Dr. K. Uh, they checked out my heart thoroughly even after. Um, and, and so my heart, they told me, is 10 years younger than me because I used to run. And uh, what he explained to me is that we don't just uh, we don't just reserve uh, PTSD for guys that were taking bullets over their heads. Um, Near-death experiences, crashes. Things like that. I've had some I, another near-death experience that was only two years prior to the pericarditis, and it just kind of my dad was sick at the time, going through cancer. Everything at once added up, and it, that's exactly what it was, was a PTSD-type condition where just jittery, nervous all the time, couldn't sleep, looking over my shoulders, constantly uh, nervous and jittery. And I thank God I've beaten that just over well. time. As Shakespeare, to paraphrase Shakespeare, uh, troubles come not single spy, but in battalions. In other words, you know, basically it's called a poop storm uh, in, in the modern vernacular. Uh, but, you know, there's there's nothing to be, look, because I, ha- I have it too, okay? And there's nothing to be ashamed of in admitting it. And, and you know what, in some people it's very severe, some people it's moderate, some people it is mild. Um, And if somebody, if I don't know that somebody's behind me and they sneak up behind me and they uh, touch me on the shoulder or something, I I don't know why, but I just like, I immediately raise my fist. I'm ready for action. Um, And Mm -hmm. that is, yeah, I mean, and that's just a manifestation of uh, a post-traumatic stress situation. Um, and I'm not embarrassed to admit that. I'm not embarrassed to admit that after my cardiac event, I was incredibly depressed for an extended period of time. And I never, I mean, I never had suicidal thoughts or anything like that. I mean, that would be, that would be kind of stupid. Like, Hey, I, I beat something I never should have beaten. Mm -hmm. Let me celebrate by suiciding. I never, I never had those thoughts, but it was more, you know, emotionally, you know, I'm going to pull a Phil Leotardo from the Sopranos. I was like a woman. (laughs) I wanted a grilled I cheese sandwich. I, I, uh, I wanted to, uh, I couldn't sleep, and I just constant nervous feeling in your gut 24-7. You wake up with it, you oh. go to bed with it, it never goes away. Dude, so, I... And by the way, what got me through it, Tom, was the knowing two things. One, this too, this too shall pass. Yes. And two, I turned to Christ. That's how I beat it. And uh, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gives us a spirit... Um, well, whatever, and whatever. I did it. Thank you. Uh, whatever, whatever works for you. Um, I turned to uh, tequila, yes, and I found that to be very, very effective. Um, <laughs> it is uh, five fifty-six at News Radio nine thirty W B E N. Thanks to uh, Tanner Saunders behind the glass at News Radio nine thirty W B E N, and stand by for the latest in news, including the Hamburg police shooting. Um, with uh, WBEN's Tom Puckett and Buffalo's Evening News, 6 until 7, right here on News Radio 930, WBEN. You know, I'm actually going to miss you guys over the weekend and you ladies over the weekend. Truly, I do. But then on Monday, I wish it was still the weekend for some weird reason. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening and uh, look for you Monday after David Bellavia on News Radio 930, WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum. 
minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.